Today on this edition of the Forest City Church Podcast, Lead Pastor Eric Parks has part six of the Lenten series, Less is More. His message is titled, Palm Sunday, It Was Covered. This is the beginning of Holy Week, Journey to the Cross. If you haven't downloaded that devotion, I want to encourage you to. And before I get started talking about this Sunday, Palm Sunday, I want to especially thank John Ortberg and Ray Vanderlaan, whose insight into Jewish culture and customs have heavily informed the talk today. But today is Palm Sunday. And I was thinking about Palm Sunday, and I got to thinking about an experience I had a few years ago. Actually, it was last year. Um, I don't know how many of you here are planners. You know, you like to make plans. How many of you, just by a show of hands, big planners in the room? Any planners in the room? Yeah, yeah, okay. You're my people, okay? Listen, um, if this thing doesn't work out for me, I'm going to go be a travel planner. I love it. It's one of my favorite things. Like, People know, you can call me, and I just love like dreaming and thinking and planning. And in fact, I've found that oftentimes in my life, I might like planning the trip more than I like taking the trip. Anybody ever had that where you're like, I like planning it, and then I got there, I was like, okay, well, what, what, what should I plan next, right? Well, this last year, Chrissy and I celebrated 25 years of marriage. We've been married for 25 years. Thank you. We got married when we were 12, and uh, I had started planning this big trip for us. I, I, I started saving points some years ago for a very special trip, and I'm one of those guys, you know, like saving the points so you can get the free hotel. And I had planned this um, vacation back to a spot years ago that we had went right at the beginning of our marriage. We were going to go to Hawaii, right? I hadn't been forever. So I had these daydreams of what this trip was going to look like. 
Like, I mean, when you're planning, you're looking at pictures, you're thinking about hotels. And um, I had an expectation around this trip. Big, big expectation about like what it was gonna be like, what the week was gonna entail. And um, while it's true of me that I love to plan, it's also true of me that when I'm disappointed, it's hard for my face to not show it. Anybody else? Like, I'm not like poker face. Like, I, you, if you wanna play cards with me, you will win, because I can't hide an emotion. My face just lets it happen. And we get on this trip last summer, and as soon as we showed up in the hotel that I'd spent all this time saving for, points and time and trips, we walked in and Chrissy was like, uh-oh. I like, what? She's like, your face says something's not right. And I was like, well, this, look at this room. This room's not right. I saw pictures online. It didn't look like this. And I can't hardly even see like the water. And then right over here, there's like this walkway where all these people are walking by. I don't see all these people walking by. And there's a tree right in the way. Like, and then there's a roof right down there. I can see the roof. There's nothing romantic about a rooftop. Like, I'm very, very disappointed. And, and I mean, to the point where we're unpacking, we're in paradise, folks. We're in paradise, and I can't get past the fact that this room isn't right. Like, the room's not right. I need to go down and talk to the lady. I gotta go talk to the lady. She's like, what are you gonna do? I'm like, I don't know, get another room. She goes, what happens if that room's not right? I'm like, I will go until I get a room that looks like the picture on TripAdvisor. <laughs> right? I'm so, my expectation was so high and in that moment I was so disappointed and Chrissy said something to me that sort of shook me. She said, Eric, you're so worried about how the room doesn't add up to your expectation. You're gonna miss the moment. You ever had an expectation that was so big in your mind about your life, your job, your family, your spouse? So disappointed that it didn't turn out the way that you wanted it to. That maybe you actually missed the moment. Well, this is what Palm Sunday is all about, actually. Palm Sunday my mind is probably the best example of a people who had something right under their nose but because of a misplaced expectation on that day they didn't even see what was coming now for those of you that know holy week you know that in the gospels this begins palm sunday this sunday begins jesus march to the cross his ultimate death that we'll celebrate on Friday and then his resurrection, freedom for you and me. But on this Sunday, the Bible tells us what's happening. If you grew up in church, you know we called it the triumphant entry, right? Bible says it this way in John chapter 12, verse 12, it says, the next day, a great crowd had come for the feast. They heard Jesus was on his way to Jerusalem. And so they took palm branches and they went out to meet him shouting Hosanna. We see this, we're like, oh, that's good, right? Like Jesus is coming to town and all of his people have come out and they're welcoming him. And that's nice, they're shouting Hosanna. That's like, I don't know, singing some worship song. That must have been pretty neat. But here's what's interesting. 
Here's how you know that these people who heard Jesus was coming are missing the point. One, it's what they're shouting. You see, Hosanna in the Greek actually means save us now. Now remember, Jesus' people have been underneath the boot of Rome, have been oppressed for as long as they can remember. Their their children, their grandfather, their great-grandfather, they've been oppressed people. And so when they hear a Messiah, a liberator is coming to town, they get out in the streets and they are screaming, save us, save us, you're going to save us. This was a chant. It was a battle cry of the nationalistic zealots. War is coming. Rome, war is coming. Blood is coming. He's coming to save us, to set us free from Rome. And then, you know, in the the picture that's painted in the scriptures, it says not only were they shouting Hosanna, but they were waving palm branches. Now, palm branches on on the surface to us these days, it may seem like, well, well, that's just a nice thing that they might have been. I don't know, maybe Jesus was warm or uh, maybe that's just something that they did in their culture, their custom, but that isn't exactly what was happening. See, as they were screaming, save us now, save us now, they took a palm branch, which actually was like a flag. It was a symbol, too, of the nationalistic zealots. This would have been a symbol of death to the Romans. Kill them. They were waving their flags and shouting with everything they had. Here he comes, Rome, we're coming. We're going to be free. He's going to liberate us from Rome, finally. And so now you understand that as Jesus entered from the Mount of Olives, which is east of the city, the way in which he entered would have been shocking to everyone who looked on. The Bible tells us in Matthew chapter 21 that Jesus looks at his disciples and he says, hey, I need you to go down and get this donkey. I love this passage. If, you're, if you get a chance, go back and read it because it, you need to read, sometimes read the Bible like Jesus is just like a, a person. Not like it's a story you once heard. Because Jesus is with his disciples and this just cracks me up because he's like, hey boys, listen, um, I want you to go down there and get that donkey. And the two disciples go, you want us to go take that other person's donkey? And Jesus says to him, yeah, and just tell him the Lord needs it. So they do. <laughs> so he gets on the donkey and he heads into the city. And he's fulfilling a prophecy. So listen, when he rides in, this too would be a symbol. Now it would be a contrast to what they were saying. Their symbol was death and, and destruction. But Jesus would have a symbol too. And Everyone there would have known what it meant when he came in on a donkey because they would know Zechariah 9.9 where it says, Rejoice greatly, daughters of Zion. Shout, daughter Jerusalem. See your king comes to you lowly and riding on a donkey. This was a prophecy that Jesus was fulfilling when he rode in on a donkey. But even more than that, this was a symbol of his kingdom. Now see, As Jesus came east from the Mount of Olives riding a donkey, scholars would tell you that on the west side of the city, at the exact same time, a local ruler named Pontius Pilate was riding into town too. But he was riding in on a war horse 
surrounded by military might. I mean, think about that. One side of the city, Jesus comes in on a lowly donkey, ushering in a new kind of kingdom. While on the other, Pilate, representing all that was, was riding in. Pilate's procession, it embodied power and glory and violence. All that the people who were ushering Jesus in wanted. They actually wanted Jesus to come in that way. Have you ever wondered, how is it that these people that were so happy to see him a few days later were just as happy to kill him? Have you ever wondered that? Isn't that what failed expectations do? They're like, oh, you're coming in on a donkey? Donkeys aren't going to save us, bro. Don't you see Pilate over there? Don't you see what he's coming? That's what we want. We want that. You, 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 you bring that. And this is why, this is why. When Jesus in Luke chapter 19 approaches Jerusalem and he saw the city, he wept over it. And he said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, my brothers and sisters. In this moment, in this way, Jesus was contrasting the kingdoms of this world. He was in that moment showing clearly what his kingdom was all about, justice and love and peace. That his freedom that he had come to bring wasn't freedom from Rome. It was freedom from sin, freedom from death, freedom from destruction. But their expectation was different. And I thought, you know, sometimes we read back and we're really hard on people in the past. But the truth is, I wonder how often do we as followers of Jesus this day get it wrong? Our expectations about freedom. In fact, I ran across an article in the New York Times just this week about religious fervor and how worship songs have been now adopted by political parties on both sides to advance this militaristic idea. And I, I ask us as followers of Jesus, honestly, in this moment, what would Jesus say to us? What did he do? Because remember, when he rode into that city, literally his people, life and death hung in the balance. This isn't hyperbole, for real. Like life and death hung in the balance. And what did he do? He still brought peace. What did he preach? In fact, fast forward all the way a few days later, right before he goes to the cross, he sits down with his disciples and he just says, listen, 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 I'm going to break everything down for you. No symbols. I'm going to make it really, really plain. When he says this in John chapter 13, there's a new command that I'm giving you. And this is what he's telling us, follower of Jesus. Love one another as I've loved you. So you have to love one another. And by this, people of God, everyone will know that you're my disciples. Like if you really, really love one another, his way absolutely was mind-blowing. Their expectation 
was a liberator from Rome, but that's not what Jesus came to do. He was liberating through love. I love how a few thousand years later, Dr. Martin Luther King explains it when he says, love is the only force capable of transforming an enemy into a friend. It's it. This is his kingdom. And they couldn't see what should have been obvious because of their expectation. They couldn't see a brand new way. to the city would have blown up expectations, but the day that he chose to was symbolic of something brand new. Now we know at the beginning of Holy Week, as he rode into town, he was headed towards something specific. It was the Passover meal. Now the Passover, as we know it, is a reminder to the Jewish people of how God had saved them so long ago from slavery in Egypt. And part of the meal included a Passover lamb. This lamb, back in Exodus, as you remember, it was killed. And then the children of Israel painted the doorways with the blood of the lamb. And this is how God's spirit knew to pass over them. And for years, this was celebrated as a reminder of what God did and still does that he would pass over our sins. This lamb was slaughtered for the forgiveness of what had been done. And Josephus will tell you that about the time Jesus shows up on Palm Sunday, there would be 500,000 lambs that were slaughtered 
in a few days. Now, this is important. Passover happened on the 14th day of the first month. This is when it happens in their calendar. On the 14th day of the first month. But there had to be a day that was set aside for them to go get the lamb. And the Bible tells us in Exodus chapter 12 this. Announce to the whole community that on the 10th day of this month, each family goes and chooses a lamb or a young goat for sacrifice. So it was lamb selection day is what that day was. And how it worked is that a family would go and they'd find a spotless lamb or goat four days before the Passover meal, before the slaughtering of this animal. For the next four days, from the 10th until the 14th, they would live with the lamb. The lamb had, was like part of the family. It's not too far to think that kids probably played out with that lamb. It was with them. And then when the father would take his children out to sacrifice the lamb, he'd help his children understand that sin is painful and it's costly. So when these children would see the lamb slaughtered and they would cry, he would remind them of why this was. The 10th day. So Passover, it's on the 14th day. We know this, that on the year that we speak of, the year that Jesus rode in, Passover was on a Thursday, right? Passover meal is on a Thursday. Now I want you to do something. I want you to count backwards with me. If the, if the, 14th is a Thursday, the 13th is a Wednesday, the 12th is a Tuesday, the 11th is a Monday, the 10th. Sunday that Jesus rode into Jerusalem was Lamb Selection Sunday. Now this is not an accident. This is actually another message, a symbol that Jesus was painting. For all his people, he was saying, all that had been done, all that you normally do on the 10th of the month in selecting a lamb, there is a new lamb. He was riding into the city saying, pick me. I'm your new sacrifice. I'm bringing something brand new. And listen, on that day, he was foreshadowing what would come on Friday. He was revealing God's love through sacrifice, demonstrating God's love without limitations. And, and his kingdom, his kingdom, it wasn't about citizenship or papers or where you were born. His kingdom was for anyone and everyone, all people, right? See, we are not a people of the palm branch of the war horse, of the chaos and power. That is not his way. See, our sign is the cross. Our king was a lamb. His way was of peace, and this kingdom is forged in love.
off that I can't see what's right in front of me because I cling to expectations or ideas that I just cannot let go of or maybe it's true in your faith but maybe it's true in your life how often have your eyes been clouded by your expectations and you cannot see the blessing that God has brought your way because it's not the blessing you want or expected How often do some of us, we cannot see the wife or the husband that God has brought us because we have an expectation about what this thing should be. How many of us look at our current circumstances and situations and we can't see how God would be moving in it because it looks nothing like what I want it to look like. How many of us can't imagine that there is any divinity inside of me because my past, my brokenness say otherwise. Have you let expectations about what this thing is get in the way of what this thing is? Now think about that. Have you let expectations about what this thing is get in the way of what this thing is? If the answer is yes, welcome to being human right? But no, it's bigger than your expectations. God is at work. He's doing things you cannot fathom. And there will come a point, I don't know when, when you'll step back and the words you will say is, of course, of course. He is at work in your life. And here's what's beautiful. You can go all the way back to this. The work that he's doing in your life, it actually was already done. All this was done. In just a few days, we'll celebrate Jesus going to the cross for the forgiveness of your sins. Laying a level ground at the foot of the cross. And this is why we say anyone and everyone. Because what Jesus says is, look, I don't know where you come from. I don't care if you're black or brown or white or young or old or gay or straight. I do not care. Come sit at my table. This is what he does. This is what he does. This is what he preached. He says, come to me. If you're on the outside, come on in. If you've been counted out, knocked out, come on in. This is Jesus. And it is because of that, not some idea I had. It is at the foot of the cross. This, this is what he did. So if you don't know him this day, you can. You can know this kingdom this day. And this is what makes Jesus so beautiful. He's like, yeah, there's no 
test, no citizenship requirements. All you have to do is say, I've fallen short. That's easy for me. I'm like, yeah, bro, I'm messing that up on a regular, on a regular. I'm falling short and I proclaim you Lord of my life and I'm gonna do everything I can to follow your way. I'm gonna understand your kingdom. This is what he asks of us. If you don't know him this day, what would it look like if this Holy Week, we reset it all, all of our expectations, and put our eyes fully on the work of what Jesus did at the cross. As we sing this one more time before we leave, I wanna invite you, wherever you have misplaced expectations, where do you need Jesus to show up again as the Prince of Peace in your life? And if this is your moment to step forward, to raise your hand and say, I'm going to follow that man and that kingdom, this is your time. Let's sing this one more time. take a next step we have this thing called grow right after and I'm gonna be over there in the in the chapel we're gonna have food there now if all of y'all show up we're in trouble but um we'd love to tell you a little bit more about next steps at the church have the most blessed holy week grace and peace you've been listening to Eric Parks with part six of the Lenten series with a message titled Palm Sunday. It was covered. Thanks for listening.